Are okay. you good? Can I like start now? I can send. Well, yeah, no, I'm just, I was just actually paperwork <laughs> popped up this time. Normally right it's just like we wait for the lady, but this time there was like, you know, there's paperwork here. So I thought, yeah, a little, a little dialogue popped up and said, you need to click this to say got it. Stop it, really? Yeah, seriously. Oh, this is the first time I've ever seen that because wow. I obviously haven't used the browser and been recorded before. Okay, well, there you go. Well, yeah. then on that note, everyone, welcome to the Breaking the Barrier podcast where recording needs to be, you have to give consent. Yeah, we're breaking the barrier, and we have we have terms and conditions now. That's awesome. Right. <laughs> Above and beyond the consent that you ever thought possible. So, yeah. right on. Uh, how you doing, man? It's been a it's been a hot minute. It has been a hot minute. I mean, I think it was a combination of uh, you getting really well, both of us getting really frustrated with my internet connection after the last episode, and saying, Dude, "Let's yeah. just walk away for a fortnight and <laughs> see what's happening." It's just. Cool. Um, and also, uh, you know, not a lot happening until the last week or so where it feels like we've had the Olympics wrap up um, with, the, you know, the marathons, which is obviously an event close to our hearts. Uh, and then, unfortunately, this darn COVID pandemic is starting to, you know, the whole hopes and dreams of what we might be able to do is starting to fade very quickly for the East Coast of Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. uh, it's 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 tough. You know, uh, it's funny. Uh, Isabel Ross in her uh, in her peak endurance uh, group posed the question: What is the hardest thing about endurance training or, or ultras? And for me, the hardest thing has been basically on the long run having to do that two hours outside and then the rest yes. of it inside because that sucks. Like when you when you get into a kind of like a groove. Uh, you know, because obviously, for those of you who don't know, that's that's part of the the restrictions that we have: two hours outside uh, a day uh, for exercise. When when you get in that groove, even stopping that groove for like five minutes to switch from road to treadmill, and then knowing that you're on this treadmill for another forty minutes, maybe an hour, really sucks. Like it's not that it hurts more; it's it just tires you out mentally more. It's just a bitch. It is such a first world problem, which is, I was just hey, there is this global I, yeah. pandemic. I'm only allowed <laughs> to run outside two hours. I was thinking so that as I said it, hours, I'm like, yeah. hmm. <laughs> at the end of two hours, I come to my magic machine that has a rolling road under me so I continue to keep running. But, but, but runners don't get it. Like if you're a long distance runner mm. and you're used to doing a long run of three hours, three and a half hours, anything that it, like, it is just an exercise in pain management and find the groove and get through it. Yeah. And then anything that interrupts that even for five minutes, like a toilet break or having to get inside and jump on a treadmill can absolutely be disruptive to you. That's why, you know, when, when I used to run with WinFit and we did the seven kilometer loop, that whenever you'd get to the end of that loop to the to where the cars were parked, everybody always stopped for a couple minutes. And to me, that was always yeah. so very dangerous, especially on those longer runs where we were doing 30 and 35 kilometers. Like after the third loop, if you stop, it's so hard. I mean, after this... You're like a shark. You need yeah. to keep swimming. If sharks keep swimming, they die. They die, yeah, exactly. Long distance runners are like that. Exactly. It's so hard. Like, uh, you know, I'm getting, for me personally, I'm, I'm getting my kilometers up again you know, like last I week, saw. yeah, really I, 18 miles, 29, 29 Ks last week, uh, on, on Sunday. So that was my long run that day. And it was great. You know, the treadmill aside, I felt good. Um, you know, I'm due for anywhere from a 30 to 32 tomorrow, which, so I'm I mean, planning on two hours outside yeah. and then like a solid hour, at least on the treadmill. Yeah, afterwards. I'm, I'm, I'm aiming for like three to three hours 
in 10 minutes. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to do it in three hours, about 20 miles, but, you know. And so can just... I ask you a question? How different, like having gone, going from the road to treadmill and doing a significant amount of time on both, how different does it feel? And do you think road to treadmill is the way to go? Or would you consider going the opposite? Do you mean like in one run or just mean in general? Yeah. Like like when you're running, like when you did your 28 kilometers the other day, you did yeah. 20 odd kilometers outside and then you went inside and you finished mm. it on the treadmill. Okay, How I see. How different did it feel? And I why did you saying. do it in that area? Well, yeah. I, because I knew I wanted to get a majority of my time outside. Uh, and yes, yeah, supposedly, I, I mean, I could have done an hour on the treadmill and then two, two hours outside, sure. But it's interesting because I, I have done both. So I've done the treadmill then go outside and finish out my run and i tell you that to me is much harder like if i did maybe an hour on the treadmill and then i went outside like the 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 handful of times i've done that my my uh my pace suffered greatly it's just because it's such a it's such a shock to the system i think to go from a an even surface that doesn't change at all to all of a sudden, even just the little undulations of the road, big, big difference. Um, so mm -hmm. I would say if you have to make that choice, definitely go outside first. This way also, the other thing is, if you get most of your time outside and then you go inside to finish out in the treadmill, if you don't finish your run and you end up cutting it short, at least you've gotten a majority of your time outside. Yeah. Whereas if you go on the treadmill, and then you decide to go outside and you're like, I want to cut my sh run short, then you might sacrifice. Because that's, running outside is much more important than, than running on the treadmill because nobody nobody's holding races on treadmills, you know. It's, it's, no. <laughs> you're not, oh, you're not yeah. doing yourself too many favors by doing that. And I think that's where a lot of, because I was doing so much treadmill running in my past, I think that's where a lot of my problems come from. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you, you do need that micro um, balance, you know, the different surfaces, the different resistance, you, you, you do need that to get stronger. And I think, yeah, when you were training for the marathon, you know, the thing that let you down when you actually went out there and did the marathon distance was not the distance itself, because you've mm -hmm. done the distance in training, it was having to do the distance outside on that uneven surface for so yeah. long. And that's where like the mechanical stuff sort of got revealed a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I guess the other thing is, you know, something could happen whilst you're outside on your run. And at the moment, the situation we're in where we've only got two hours to do it, um, you need to, like, you don't want to bank on a perfect two-hour run right now. No. Because something could happen that could see you losing two kilometers and, and so forth or whatever. So, yeah. Exactly. Like, uh... And so your, your training plan, because you, you, know, you had a training plan to get to the Spartan 50K. Mm. You're still following that training still plan? Yeah, still following that. So basically, I, I, I am doing... Uh, two weeks, uh, two to three weeks of um, increasing miles, uh, kilometers, and then I'll take it right back for a week. So, I'll, for example, uh, a couple weeks ago, I went from, uh, I went, uh, what did I do? 22 kilometers, then 25, then down to 13, then uh, 20, uh, 25 or 26, then up to 29. Um, this now this week I'll do thirty to thirty-two, and then next week I'll, I'll take it back to thirteen again. Um, and yeah, so I'm just basically so in I think three weeks time, it's on my schedule to do a full marathon distance. 
Right, full marathon distance, because you're doing a 50k yeah. uh, Spartan, so that's yeah. where a full marathon distance becomes. Yeah, so that, you think about wow. That's actually because I've not been trying to PB my my longer distance runs. I just don't see that there's a point to doing it no. when you're training for something like this. I've I've actually been using this time to try to PB my mid distance runs, like my 5k, like my 10k. Um, that's been great. My half marathon even, but I might for if if I do that full marathon distance. I am my PB for that one is just going to be running it and completing it because I as 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 everybody knows I haven't been able to complete a full marathon distance in a couple of years because of my knee so yeah uh, but it would be great if I didn't have to do most of that inside <laughs> yeah absolutely I was going to say like um, with the restrictions and everything and the two hour limit will you still do it regardless even though it could mean that you're doing two and a half hours on a treadmill i think if i if if if, if it comes down to it and it, it, it we're in a place where i have to only do two hours outside i don't think i will do two hours outside and then another potential two hours inside to complete that marathon because i feel that that time spent on a treadmill where it's just there's nothing changing is going to bring me closer to injury than anything else and i don't think it will be worth it because i am under the um i feel like i can probably complete an ultra distance with my longest run being 20 miles uh 32 kilometers i think can I um can I let you in on a secret? You are doing a fifty k ultra, which means you get to unlock a part of your brain that is even crazier than normal. Have you thought about doing the get up at ten pm, run two hours at ten pm, and then instantly cut over to twelve oh one am the next day, which gives you another two hours, thereby you, giving yourself a four hour block? Do you know what I did think about that? And you're right, you're absolutely right because right now my 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 runs are, have all been sort of in the morning. And, and ultra runners are nuts. We get to do stuff like that. We do stuff like that for fun. We yeah, well, that's right. That's right. Like all my runs have been in the morning, and I, I've got to start training. I, I really should get some runs different times of the day because I, I you know, if I'm going to be out there for, you know, especially as a Spartan ultra, I'm going to be out there longer than five or six hours. I need to get. Not that I'll be out there at night, but it's good to train the body that way. And I did think about that the other day because I remember that you had said that when you were training for. The nonstop. Yeah, because I, I, that was at some point in lockdown as well. I'm pretty sure you did that as well. Yeah, yeah. so we, we did stuff like that, um, you know, because it's, it's the only way you can get that long time on the roads. Uh, yeah. And listen, I know some people are saying you are really pushing the rules at that point. Um, but at the same time, trust me, I've gone running at uh, 11.30 at night. I'm not seeing a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, given I'm not running down, you know, major streets and shopping centers, I'm not seeing anyone. It's actually more about your... Um, an extreme exception that could happen and more about your personal safety and lights and stuff. Uh, but it's it's definitely an option. You know, yeah. think about that'll get, that'll get you to four. And, and listen, you might not get your marathon distance done in four hours. I mean, you know, that would be a PB for you by a long way to yeah. do it. But yeah. you could get a lot of it done. Yeah, and I, I think it's probably not um, out of possi- uh, the realm of possibility. You know, just depending. I think the next couple of weeks will really tell me what I'm going to need to do because... Like I, like I said, I can I, I feel like I could probably run that ultra, well, traverse that ultra on yeah. you know thirty two kilometer training run, um, but I think for me it's just 
I, yeah, I would really, I really want to get a marathon like in there. Just, you know, it's a confidence thing. This is such yeah. a mental game. It's a confidence yeah. thing. It's like we spoke about a couple of, I can't believe it's this, but a couple of years ago, we spoke mm. about the fact that I sometimes like to go do a 45K long run, mm -hmm. you know, 10 weeks out before a marathon that I want to go after in like a pace because yeah. of that confidence of knowing, hey, I did 45Ks. I can definitely do um, 42Ks um, or doing a, a, an ultra marathon, a 50K ultra marathon you know, 10 weeks out from a marathon, knowing that I can then run the marathon at a faster pace. And that's mental. There's there's no training program you will find online that will recommend doing a 45K run before trying to do a 42K run. No beginner program will say that. No professional trains that way. But for me, so much of running marathons is mental and confidence. True. I feel like that is worth two weeks of training to have that in my head yeah. versus what I've got on my legs. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, and, and you know, it, it's it's that thing. It's just kind of like you have to do what works for you. I mean, there are exceptions to the rule, right? There's there's always going to be uh, planned out uh, routines that you can find online, and those are the culminations of of what's been tested and what works. But what's been tested and what works doesn't work for everyone because if it did, everyone would be doing it, and everybody would be just as successful in doing it. So yeah, there will be there will be times when you know, you might want to overdo it because it makes you feel better. There will be times where you might need to underdo it because you need to like save your, you know, because I'll, I'll have to make that choice. You know, I think after tomorrow's run, I'll know, okay, do I need to like cap it at 20 miles or 32 kilometers with my knee and just be okay with that? Or do I feel like in the next couple weeks I can do this full marathon? And, you know, the difference between 20 miles and 26 miles, uh, 32 kilometers and 42 kilometers, yeah, I mean, in training, eh, it's, it won't make or break. On race day, if, you know, if it's a marathon, yeah, that last 10K is the second half of the race, but, you know. Uh, yeah, but... But if it's a marathon, and I think the key difference for you is you're not training for a marathon, you're training yeah. for a 50K ultra. Mm. And that's very, very different because as we've spoken about the cadence of the race and the yeah. ability to you know, rest and fuel and, and wait mm. for people to do obstacles in front of you is going to be so completely different. Yeah. So it's interesting. We've, we've kind of segued straight into the topic we wanted to talk about today. It's amazing when we do that. Tra training during uncertainty um yeah. you know how do you do when we're in these particular times where things are so uncertain and and things can be uncertain for people at normal times there's always work and family and and health things as well but where we are right now there was a really interesting article i shared uh with andrew uh which was called uh postpone postponed sunshine coast marathon latest blow for athletes and training and it's on the uh the australian broadcasting commission website uh is that what the you know, c stands for no kidding yeah australian broadcasting commission yeah i don't know what i thought it stood for i didn't think it was that yeah it, it's, it's the government's tv channel mm. basically and so they fund a whole bunch of stuff on there that otherwise wouldn't get made because uh, yeah. commercial television would go oh it's not profitable but it's you know, it, you know, this is not a media class. Um, uh, so that was uh, that was posted uh, just today, 14th of August, 2021. It was an article that popped up in my feed as I was sort of, you know, looking at the news over the coffee this morning. And it was really, really interesting. Um, so the main gist of the article was about a Brisbane mum called Karen Spencer, who this weekend should be running her first marathon 
But unfortunately, the Sunshine Coast Marathon uh, that was meant to happen tomorrow on the 15th of August was uh, postponed uh, 10, do- 10 days ago on the 5th of August, mm. and it was rescheduled to October. And this is actually the third marathon that Karen Spencer has had ripped out from under her in the yeah. last two years. She, she set herself a goal that she was going to run 42 kilometres when she turned 42. Um, that's this year. Uh, she says in the last year she's run 2,300 kilometres uh, as preparation, wow. but has yet to put herself to the test against competitors in a marathon. She's done the long runs. She's done a half marathon uh, at Great Ocean Road. Uh, when it was a virtual event, but she's never actually had an opportunity to to run a marathon. And this is a lady who, according to the article, two years ago could barely run three kilometres without dying. Yeah. Uh, so it's 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 a really interesting article. I, I'd urge you to uh, to go have a look at it. There's a little bit of poetic license about it, uh, where they quote her as saying, "You've got time off from work. You're carb loading. You're mentally prepped. You're visualising what's going to happen." I get that you do that in the days leading up to the race, the carbon mm. loading and everything. The race was cancelled ten days ago, yeah. so you haven't been carb loading and visualising three weeks ago. So you know, <laughs> just slow your roll a little bit there, Miss Spencer. Yeah. Um, but I understand, you know, it, it is absolutely extremely disruptive to have something yeah. like that ripped away from you. And it is times. interesting. And it was it, what I found interesting about the article. It, it actually went back to something that I had said on our last episode: is that you did. You, you, you're not meant to train for these events as long as people have been training for them because they keep getting delayed. Like, you know, the event gets delayed and all of a sudden you have another six or 12 weeks that you need to be training for. How do you do that uh, without, without I, really said that. I, I read the article and I said to my wife, I said, Liz, Liz, read this. And she's like, yeah. I said, Andrew said that. I know. Andrew it made me that, like, feel really good. <laughs> it was it was like this, they're talking about this guy who's like an ex- exercise scientist who's an experienced runner with distance races. And I'm like, man, I know someone who knows that. You know, I know a guy that runs a podcast. He doesn't have any of that stuff. Dr. Lorenzo. <laughs> that's right. Um, but yeah, it's, it, but it really is interesting. And it's just like, well, okay. What, like, and the, 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 the other interesting thing is, yes, she's been training for this thing for so long and it keeps getting, so what do you do? What do you do when you're training for something? How do you stay motivated? Do ha, how do you complete a goal when basically everything is saying no? What like yeah. what this do we exercise do? scientist said he has vowed not to compete or train for marathons until some normality and certainty returned. It's hard to target it, and then it just keeps getting swiped from underneath you. Is the quote? Mm. Uh, and I think you know that is absolutely. You know, a normal marathon training block is 12 to 16 weeks. Yeah. If the marathon gets cancelled, your first instinct is, well, I've done this training, let's not go to waste. Mm. But training, uh, marathons are planned according to occasions, so they're not crashing into each other. Very rarely is one marathon cancelled, and then there's another marathon available on the same weekend that you can sign up for, especially when in the current conditions, the thing that's cancelling one race is probably cancelling the other one as well. Yeah, exactly. Or if it is in a different location, you can't get to it because we've got state lockdowns. And so then people find themselves saying, well, I've done 16 weeks of training. There's another marathon six weeks from now and eight weeks from now. Let me aim for that one. But, you know, like you said, the body can't handle that. And it really depends on when the marathon gets cancelled. If this if this one was cancelled 10 days ago, that means they were approaching, they had just sort of finished the end of their peak training mm-hmm. and they were entering their taper. If they decide to now sign up for something that's six weeks from now, eight weeks from now, 
they're probably going to continue to keep their long runs at the high level that they are now and stretch that out. And like you said, the body's not meant to do that. No, and you're essentially, when you do that, and the reason why marathon training plans are 12 to 16 weeks is because the human, the human body can only take so much. So when you extend that stuff, you start basically training on borrowed time. And it's not a question of, can I keep up this distance? Can I keep up this training? It's a question of, is how long can your body start to fend off the injuries that are going to happen if you the continue? Reduced immune system, right? The, the, the right. lack of sleep, all I mean, those things that combine. There is no uh, coincidence why a lot of us get sick either during a marathon training or right after the marathon. You kind of crash and you get really sick. You get a bad cold. It's the same thing that happens with like me in, uh, when if uh, say if I'm doing a stage show, you know I do a stage show and then like the minute that the curtain closes for the final night I get really sick because I've been building up yep. building up building up building up my body's been fighting 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 and all of a sudden it's like I can calm down the body doesn't need to fight anymore and you're just like oh I'm gonna die and it's the same yeah. thing with marathon training you get to that point where the marathon's supposed to be your body doesn't know that the thing's been cancelled and that you have to keep going your body's gonna react the way it's gonna re react and so if you keep going it's a question of when, uh, when, yeah. when is it going to give out? So what do you do? Do you run your own event? Do you taper for a couple of weeks, then bring it back up? That's it's, really it, hard to do for yeah. people who are like, you know, uh, type A personalities tend to be marathon runners who don't like to take it easy. They like to push themselves and have mm -hmm. that routine. And that, that training for a marathon can get addictive. Yeah. You know, that whole, hey, I'm, I'm, why am I running so much? I don't know, but I kind of feel like I just need to do it, even though I'm not really training for something. That can burn you out. Mm. And that's where someone suddenly falls out of love with running and, and never runs again. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the other thing is that's really interesting is a lot of it comes down to when do the organizers decide to pull the pin? Because with this one, like we said, they were two weeks out. People were coming out of a high intensity training period going into taper. That is extremely disappointing. The other um, scenario you find yourself in is we spoke about this last year when Melbourne Marathon was trying to work out what they were doing. And I think we used the language of why haven't they cancelled it yet? Why are they still letting people enter this race? Why are they still promoting it as if it's going ahead? Is this irresponsible that they're not cancelling it? Because the earlier you cancel it, the easier it is for someone to go, oh, well, I'm now not going to put my body through that high intensity. Right. And I can plan what's my approach here for my next race rather than sort of, you know, feeling that pressure to keep on the high level. Yeah, it's like when, when you cancel an event 10 to 12 weeks out, that's kind of like awesome. But when you cancel it like yeah. four, six, eight weeks out, that's really time. bad. It's like you're right in that no-no yeah. area, you know, like like if they like even now, uh, where are we? Oh, no. Even if Melbourne Marathon canceled this year and they did it now would be pretty good because we're about, what, eight weeks out? Um, yeah, eight weeks out. And it's interesting you mentioned that because this week they canceled Oxfam. So yes. Oxfam was meant to happen the Friday, Saturday before the Melbourne Marathon. I know that because I was planning to do both of them. Mm -hmm. And they have come out and said that for two reasons, number one being the uncertainty about lockdown and, and running an event like that. And secondly, for those of you who don't know, there was actually some pretty bad storms in the area that they run the sure. Oxfam through back in April, uh, which, you know, a lot of people were without power for a week. Um, you know, it's basically, it's not safe there, even if they had the confidence about running 
if during a pandemic time, they're sitting there going, there's a lot of work for us to do to actually make this safe for people. So they've moved the Oxfam from October this year to March next year. But Melbourne Marathon is still sitting there in the diary. And, and this Sunshine Coast event has, I think they said eight to 10,000 people at it. We've said before, Melbourne is a 25,000 yeah. participants before and, you start thinking about spectators. You know, they, they've already started, because Jenna, who is, um, who is a running coach, was going to be coaching through the Melbourne Marathon and that program's been canceled. So I'm like, I saw that. If they're canceling that, they're canceling, I, we are, <sighs> Even I don't read too much, it just means like I, there's, a, there's another thing I do where it's meant to be happening in January and they canceled a planning meeting this month. And I'm like, we're six, four, four months out. How can you cancel planning meetings four months out from this major event? It's not a good sign. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Like my Spartan in the, the end of August has been moved uh, to the 11th oh, of September. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's been moved to the 11th of September. Um, obviously, not anywhere is. That now makes it five weeks away from the Bright Spartan. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because and, Bright Run Fest, they cancelled their event at the end of this month of August. They've yeah. gone virtual again and said, yeah. hey, we can't run the events. That's two years in a row that Bright Run Fest hasn't happened. They've had to do virtual. So, I'm going to be very – like, look, the Spartan's obviously much smaller than the other events, but I'm getting to the point where I'm like, I don't know if this is going to go ahead. Um, and it actually pisses me off because – it worked out that the 28th, that was going to be one of my deload weeks. So I was like, oh, great. I'm just going to run a 5K that week. Uh, or 10K, really, because I was doing it twice. But now it's right in the middle of a long run week. So, yeah. yeah. And, and this is what we're talking about, training during uncertainty. Like, you know, we get obsessive about this stuff. You know, for instance, I was meant to do, I didn't realize I misread my plan today. Yeah. Today I was only meant to do a 10K long run. Because I've been, you know, coming back from this injury and I've been building up slowly and slowly. And so I was only meant to do 10Ks today and then I was going to do something longer tomorrow. And I misread my plan and I went out and I did 15Ks today, which is, you know, 50% more than I should. Now, yeah. again, it's, it's not a big difference for me if everything's feeling sure. well. If I'm feeling good and healthy, 10Ks, 15Ks, whatever. But when I'm coming back from injury, that's actually a pretty big thing that I'm sort of like, oh, geez, I hope I haven't overdone it. So I'm, I'm sitting here right now with ice. Uh, on my heel just to make sure I keep it under control and everything. Mm. If you've got these obsessive compulsive people who are like, hey, they had this plan set up for the next 12, 16 weeks, and now all of a sudden stuff are changing around, they're not the sort of people who are going to go, oh, well, I'll just ignore this race six weeks out for this longer goal yeah. after that. They're going to do both yeah. because that's what we do. We're the sorts of people that do that thing. Right. It's like, do you know what? doesn't like marathon back-to-back -back weekends to hell with it. You know, it, it's just like, yeah, it's it's and it's a tough one. And you know the thing is, it's not like you can just kind of forego the race because a lot of these, if not all of these uh, races, they are not giving refunds. They're just no, they're give because. And I get it; they've paid for everything. They need to like cover that cost, but yep. it's kind of like it doesn't really get, like who wants to lose a hundred, hundred and fifty bucks. Um, yeah, without well, doing five hundred bucks at the moment, I've got five hundred bucks of race fees just kind of floating out there right now. Where two yeah. of them have been cancelled. Sorry, Oxfam's been cancelled. Yu Yang's has been cancelled. Both of them have been rescheduled to a point in the future. Right. I've got another couple of hundred bucks for Melbourne Marathon that I'm starting to feel very uncertain about. Uh, and it's like, and I'm I'm pretty light because I didn't really sign up for or I didn't enter a lot of races last year. 
Mm. There's people who have race entries from last year who are still rolling it forward. And that's why I didn't want to like do a lot. Spartan aside, that's why I didn't want to like sign up to a bunch of races because last year or the year before, whenever the hell, I had about four or five races that I was trying to keep track of, and I was just like, I don't want to go through that again. Like it's four or five is nothing, but yeah, there are people who have races on. 10, 15, 20 times a year. And I'm like, yeah. nope. But look at Nicola. Nicola <laughs> yeah. had like 48 races in her calendar. Which I is... don't think she paid for all of them and entered all of them. Yeah. But she had a plan to sort of use races as her long run training towards a, a massive year, which is just, you know. And, and, and I think it's going to become a really, the more that this uncertainty happens, I think it's going to affect people's training. Mm. But it's also going to affect the events themselves because who's going to travel interstate for a race right now? Who's who going to pay? Firstly, who can? Great yeah. point. But why would I? Like, I love Gold Coast. I, you know, Gold Coast was my first marathon. I bonked. I hit the wall. It was a terrible experience. And I look back at it with such fondness. And I love every bit of it. And I want to go back and do it again. Mm. But right now, I'd be like, oh, I'm not going to enter that race unless I know I can go, which means I'd probably be entering it like two weeks out or something. Right. And then how do you train for a marathon that you haven't entered? Like uh, the big ritual of training for a marathon is, right, I've paid my money. I've paid my money. I'm doing this. This is why they often send the bibs out a fair while in advance just to get you motivated and something yeah. like that. The, without that sense of commitment to a marathon, it's really hard to train through that uncertainty. And what I worry about is that we're going to see races suffering because people aren't entering, which means a lot of races we love are going to go away. Or people are going to, uh, you know, train for races in inverted commas, but not train seriously enough because they're not sure it's going to go ahead. And then two weeks, three weeks out, they're like, oh, crap, I guess this thing's actually going ahead. And I said I was going to do it. I should probably enter. Let's ignore the fact that I, you know, missed out on the early bird fees. Which I think... Maybe I haven't done that training. I like, I think the races would be doing well to just keep the early bird fees... Yeah. for the entirety of the registration process because well like, I, mean, I think early bird fees are useless now because yeah. the whole point about early bird fees is as a race organizer i know six months in advance i've got four thousand people coming to my event well that's it and that's and what so, i mean like you know, it, they should just if they're if they're going to discount it and they want people to keep buying they yeah. should just do it like just keep it at the early bird fees like yeah maybe you won't reduce the last minute price yeah like, you know make, make make the price at the end lower and make the and get rid of the early bird price and it's one fee Hey, guess what? You were saving fifty bucks early bird. Guess what? You're no longer saving fifty bucks early bird, but you're also not paying fifty bucks more when you enter late. It's right in the middle. It out to thirty. It's yeah. right in the middle. Like, yeah. let's get rid of it because at the moment, there's time is no advantage in terms of training or entering these things because there's too much uncertainty. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just yeah. throwing away my money sooner. <laughs> yeah, or, or I'm giving my money to someone who can now hold it for the next, you know, two years, however long, like, you know, I mean, we already do that with accommodation. Like one of the points in this article that we referred to, the lady was like, the organizers were saying, well, 50% of our people are from outside the region. So, you know, they're coming and they're booking accommodation to stay with us. That's a good point. I booked my accommodation at Bright for the ultra. I forgot about that. Oh yeah. I've I've got a, I've got accommodation booked for an event next year at the moment. Like that. I, so that's a couple of thousand dollars that I've paid today, but that, company has for the next year or so um for an event that might not go ahead like they can pull the pin on it a week in advance and i might not even be able to go have a holiday because of restrictions and you know what it it brings up a whole other 
problem is that this this company that has this money now is going to use it for their bills but then all of a sudden when everybody decides that they want refunds because they can't go well there goes all the money that company has and continuous income stream like you know it depends on continuous income they don't the, yeah. you know, the, 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 the thousand dollars they take off me today they don't sit there and go well i'm now going to wait till february no they spend it right away it's gone yeah, yeah. right and so if, if everybody cancels They've spent that money that now they don't have anymore. Which we saw with travel and getting flights back when mm. the COVID pandemic first came in and, and Thai Airways basically went, well, we're broke. You yeah. know, we don't have enough money. We're declaring bankruptcy on this thing. So yeah, tr training during uncertainty, uh, entering races during uncertainty. There's so many different things uh, at the moment. It, I think for a lot of it, it's all about, you know, what we were going to talk about is what's the motivation mm. you can find to keep training and, and right. i think the, the really interesting one from this article was the person just saying i'm still going to run i'm still an avid runner but i'm just not going to train for the marathon distance because right. the marathon distance is a whole level of stress on the body that the mm. body can't handle but i'm still going to train for a half marathon that's i'm still going to train within the two hour limit and that's and that's the thing is like what is the answer to all this and that's right you've got to find something that keeps you going so for me Yes, of course. Here's the I'm, answer. Here we go. Half an hour in, we're finally going to talk. Finally, about the we're finally at the answer. You got to find something that's going to motivate you. Obviously, I'm trying to keep up my long distance runs, but I'm also finding things in the meantime that I know that I can accomplish. Like you know, this year, all during lockdown, might I add, I have PB'd my half marathon, my 5K, and my 10K, and. Even if nothing else, if the race doesn't go ahead, I can end this year with those accomplishments. And I've made my peace with the fact that they might be the only accomplishments. Other, you know, other than the, the, the resilience that you can give, that you can, that you can show by continuing on with your training. But if you get to race day and there is no race day, then have something that you can look back. All right, I get to mar uh, ultra marathon day, I can't do it. But like, look, I've PB'd so much this year, that's great. You know, it's not like I'm put, essentially don't put all your eggs in one basket. You know, like yeah. do get, th do things that are going to be, yes, taxing on the body, but not so taxing on the body like marathon training that, that, uh, that you can, that you can be proud of, that you can feel good about, that keep you motivated. Because otherwise, if you're just training and training and training, because I mean, I dare say most people who do marathon training don't look at PBing or PRing any other distance during that time because it's not about yeah, that. Right. It's about building yourself yeah. up. So it's like if you're just training and you're just putting on miles, putting on miles and putting time under legs and this thing ain't gonna happen, the hell's the point? Yeah, yeah of course you're getting you're getting healthy. Yes, let's I mean aside from that, aside from the obvious. But there comes a point when you're training for a marathon that it's kind of like not about getting fit and it's not about getting healthy. It's just about getting the time on legs because you you, you can't be running 20 miles every week on your long run day and expect to stay healthy, right? So, yep. yeah. Um, yes, the accomplishment of learning how to run and running further and farther, great, but yeah. to what end? <laughs> PB on shorter distance one is, is interesting because we'll get to it in a, a second, but I was watching the marathon uh, with my wife and she's not a running freak like I am. And so she asked the question, hey, these people who are running the marathon, how fast are they going? And I told her. And, <laughs> like, then, and then I compared that to like a park run time uh, for comparison purposes. And she was like, oh, wow. Do any of them ever run like the lower events? 
And I was like, not really, because if you look at, you know, there's no way a marathon runner would go run the 100 metres or the 200 metres. Some of them do run the 5,000 and the 10,000, um, but they kind of run it because it's a week in advance of the actual marathon. They kind of run it as like, hey, we're a small country. We don't have many representatives here. Someone has to go in this. And, you know, even as a marathon runner, I'm still also our country's fastest 10,000 runner. Yeah, because I mean... The, 5k the 5k world record is 12 minutes something and like you know the fastest marathon runner in the world is still taking 14 odd minutes to do 5ks in a marathon so they're two minutes behind the world record it's just not compatible you can't do marathon distance training running and then be competitive at like a 5 10k level no it's just your butt your body can't do all of that at one point at one time without getting injured this like for me, I it can't be excellent at multiple things at once. No, you can and be really good at stuff. But if you want to be excellent world level, you got to pick one thing. Exactly, and that is one of the reasons why, because it's not unheard of to say build your kilometers week, 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 and then take a really big deload week. But sometimes that usually happens over the course of five, six weeks. I'm doing it over the course of two or three weeks, and that's the reason why I'm able to put effort into these shorter distances like if i'm building up my miles every week for five six weeks i'm probably not trying to pb my 10k or my 5k or my half marathon but you know you've got to make that choice like i can still train for this thing slower more controlled like my like i said like i've been saying my long runs you know i'm not really putting much effort yeah every now and then i'll do a long run at maybe like a 530 pace or something but for the most part I, I, I'm not training to run a, a, a marathon for t- time, basically. Like yeah. the ultra marathon, I don't have a time goal. I'm not trying to run it in under six hours or under whatever. I'm just trying to go out there and finish it. So that leaves me a lot of room to say, all right, well, if I'm not if I'm not doing like a long run where, you know, if I'm doing 30 kilometers and I'm not trying to do 15 of those kilometers at race pace, I'm just doing all 30 of those kilometers kind of slow that gives me a little bit more leeway to play with my shorter distance runs. Yeah, exactly. And we and also, you know, the tactic for that is it gives you the ability to recover You're right. uh, and go again and go mm. again. And, and marathon running is running, getting used to running on tired legs. And so that's why during this whole period where you can only run two hours a day, uh, yeah, for you, there's the option to run the two hours back to back, you know, yep. at midnight to get them. But even just running you know, two hours on the Saturday and then running two hours again on the Sunday. That's 40 odd kilometers back to back. That's it. You are going to be tired. You're not going to be as tired on the Sunday running that 20 kilometers as you would be if you'd done 28, 30 kilometers in in, in one run. Yeah. You won't. Your body will have a chance to recover, but other things will crop up. Things will stiffen up. You'll start to work out, oh, how's... There are... There is definitely a challenge. As someone who earlier this year did like, you know, eight days of 20 kilometers back to back Mm. it's not easy like you know you definitely feel the tired legs and there is some benefit if you can't train for the marathon in a continuous long block to go listen i'm just going to run back to back days i'm going to you know work within the restrictions i have here you know very 
it's really interesting because you know we could have listeners from all over the world who are listening to this very australian problem right now going (laughs) we don't have any of stuff you know we've got races open we can go do that um possibly we've got case we're accepting of case numbers or uh infection that's way higher than what we're seeing here in australia and they're kind of laughing at the numbers we're quoting around i don't know but you know for a situation where you do have restrictions or uncertainty uh where things are getting cancelled you just got to try and go well what what can i do within that you know can i make it work for me and if i decide to not train for a marathon because a marathon might not happen well just training for a 20 kilometer distance or a 10 kilometer distance is still amazing yeah. you know you can still get really fit and really in shape doing that absolutely i'd say you can probably get fitter training for a 10 or 20 kilometer distance rather than a full marathon because like I said it's not so much I was talking to who was I, talking? I was talking to Dean about it a long time friend of the podcast and new client of mine Dean um, I was talking to him about you know the, the people who, who run marathons they're always like uh, or train for marathons you know I'm, I'm training for this marathon I'm not losing any weight I'm not blah 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 and first of all if you're training for a marathon don't be trying to lose weight not not a great time to do it um, but you're not going to be able to because yes you're 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 running a lot but you're also probably consuming a lot more calories. Like for every uh, 1,600 kilometers, every mile basically, you burn about 100 calories. So even a 30-kilometer 20, uh, 20 long run, it's about 2,000 calories that you're burning. But 2,000 calories, and then you add that on to maybe, what, 1,500 calories that you have just from doing nothing. So 3,500 calories that you're burning throughout the day. That's really easy to put away in terms of food. Like, And you're not burning that every day it's just that one day so it's not like you can eat whatever you want and then expect to you know not maybe some sometimes people who run marathons myself this happened to my first marathon i actually gained weight um so i would dare say that you you're actually at you have a better chance of getting fitter and healthier running a lower distance race so if you're wanting to sort of shed that body fat and maybe this is a hot take, but if you wanted to shed that body fat, you wanted to look better uh, in, at the beach, uh, train for something shorter, faster, and less involved in a marathon. Yeah, so take take advantage of the fact that, hey, listen, I had my long run marathon uh, training taken away from me, but I can, it's actually easier to manage my nutrition uh, in this circumstance and achieve some of those other goals I've been wanting to do for a while mm. uh, because I don't have the burden of having this long run to do uh, every uh, every weekend, I can only do two hours, so let's make me make the most of that. Yeah, right. just. Um, but personally, for me, a, a big thing has been—it's actually been, you know, completely honest—a bit of a relief that some yeah. of these races have been cancelled because I've had this injury, and so for me, it has taken a lot of pressure off and let me go slower on the injury recovery than I think I would have if I'd known that I had those races definitely locked in. Sure. Uh, you know. I feel I feel like there's less pressure for me to push myself, and it's going to be easier for me to do this the right way. Um, so, if you're a listener who's been struggling with these little niggles or these little injuries that won't just go away, well, they won't go away because sometimes you don't let yourself rest and you don't let yourself get the proper recovery. So, what are you training for that's stopping you from doing that? If you're someone who has to train, like mentally, I have to train. I can't. If I don't do that running, if I can't do it, um, you know, I feel really bad then yeah, it's going to be hard to, to, to take this time off. But then you kind of need to look at, well, what's my motivation? What mm. is driving me to train and, and run those distances or do those activities, even when there's quote unquote, no point. 
Yeah. Um, that's probably a whole different conversation that they should and, uh, talk yeah. to about life and coaching. Well, that's that kind of, and that, that goes back to your why, right? Like, what is your why for doing this training? It cannot be, your why cannot be a single event because exactly that. What happens when that single event is either A, done or B, canceled? Then all of a sudden, you've got no reason to be training. You've got to find a stronger why than I want to run a marathon. Your why has to be much more you know, spread out through the years than that. Like it's got to be, I want to be fit, I want to be healthy. Why? Because I want to have a better quality life or I want to you know, uh, be able to feel better throughout my day. Your, your why is made up of many goals, sure. Many goals are the marathons, are the races, are the events. But without a solid why, as soon as that stuff gets thrown away, you've got nothing to fall back on. It's like, oh, well, this, this event's canceled. What the hell am I doing this for? And that's not where you want to be. No. And I guess another final reason, I guess, to maintain the interest with these events not getting canceled uh, or with these events getting canceled I know we've poo-pooed them in the past, but um, virtual runs. Virtual runs can be an accomplishment. It's, it's ironic because the marathon maniacs uh, group that I belong to, they won't recognize recognize a, a marathon long run that isn't done under certain conditions. So they don't recognize virtuals. But you know, for everyone else, 42 kilometers, 42.2 kilometers is still 42.2 kilometers. Do you know, a I wish- 10 kilometer race is still a 10 kilometer race. Oh yeah. I, you know, it's, it's kind of a, like, I, I have issues with, that I have issues with marathon maniacs not res uh, respecting that, especially during now. I kind of have issues that park run won't count your runs toward your park run. Like if you, they're not park runs. Yeah, like I, I'm like, and granted, like uh, for me, if I log a not park park run on like a Saturday at noon, fine. But like if you make the effort, get up, log your park run or not park run at like 8 a.m. when the event actually starts and you go in and you use their website, you're actually generating traffic to their website, improving everything and keeping that going. I feel like they should give you that. Like I kind of take it, like at the moment, nobody can have any kind of park runs or marathon maniacs or uh, marathon Spartans counting toward anything. So it's like you are truly losing, like how many people would have done their 50 park runs? How many people would have gotten their marathon maniacs? You know, it's like, I take issue with that. I feel like they need to make exceptions at the moment. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> That's we my soapbox. We should go through like the rules and regulations for marathon maniacs uh, because I think obviously they wanted to make sure that the marathon is, or the event itself had some sort of prestige. Um, mm. But that was a decision that's been there for a while when you could actually go do these races. Yeah. Now it's been 18 months with all these cancellations. Do yeah. they need like a, a virtual, I'm a virtual marathon maniac. Uh, uh, is, I, it's funny because it's not virtual. You still ran the race. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think it's like, it needs to, at, at the point, it needs to not be so much about doing the race as much as it needs to be about having the, recognizing the accomplishment, the accomplishment, right. It's like, you know what, this person's got up at seven 30 so that they could do their, their 5k at eight o'clock or this person has entered a virtual race and they spent money on it and they've done this marathon distance. Like what, what, we, we know that there's race cheats out there. We know there's marathon cheats and I'm sure there's some yeah. people who get this weird thing about, Oh, saying they did a race that they didn't actually do. And yeah, maybe and, they're trying to stop that from happening. But. And that's fair. Like, and I get that. Like, I get that. 
my my argument with that would be a those people are weirdos. Those people are just like, yeah. It, it's like, why would you pay for a race that you're going to cheat? A, but B, like, who, like, if it's not a race that's going to, like, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about with the Spartan a few weeks ago. Like, if it's not a race that's actually going to qualify for anything, like, who cares? Give them the trophy. Like, if it makes them feel better to earn a trophy that they didn't actually get by playing by the rules, and they have to live with that, who cares? I don't think anybody's going to go out and fake a park run distance. Like, who like who could care? Like, for, for five kilometers, like, just walk it. Like, you can walk it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if somebody's going to go out and cheat the marathon, do you know what? Give them the trophy. I don't care. But then they have to live yeah. their life knowing that they've cheated the system and that that marathon maniac shirt that they show to their friends, they know doesn't count. Doesn't count. And that, to me, that's worse in the long run. I don't know. Like whatever i don't know it's it's a weird one yeah it's it, it is because you don't want to get into a police state about no. this stuff no it's like it's running want, you yeah, yeah you want them to play by the rules you know you, you you want them to earn like the the medals and the and the bling and everything <sighs> because you recognize the accomplishment but at some, at some point you need to sort of go the you know why are we excluding this group of people who are mm. doing something that is great for this 1% or less than 1% of people who might take advantage of it? Exactly. Or and something which is just, yeah. Right. And virtually, I don't think it's like, I get it, like, in an actual event, it's, it's a, now, then it also becomes a question of, well, this person has t- essentially taken a spot from somebody if they've sold out of the yeah. event, right? But if it's a virtual event, like nobody, they're not doing a sellout point on a virtual event. And if they do, they're dumb because it's like you can just continue to make money. It's not like anybody's taking that spot away from someone. I will um, say that Marathon Maniacs does let you record um, if you're a, if you're a marathon maniac. It does let you record your virtual runs. They don't count towards your total. But you can't qualify to be a marathon maniac off virtual run. Yeah. So like uh, exactly. So like, what's the point? Like, like the, the not park runs. Like, I get the point is to keep the camaraderie going, and you know it's great. Uh, you know, like I, I have tried to log my not park runs for the last couple of weeks just because I want to see Windenvale up there at the top, right? Yeah. But like at the end of the day, what's really the point especially with something like marathon Man- maniacs yeah you can record your virtual like who gives a shit if you're not going to like give me the accomplishment for it why would i care and by the way for, for people listening marathon maniacs is not a group of people that recognizes you run one marathon it's actually you running multiple marathons mm. in a certain set of conditions yeah it's like uh, but two right now it's really in, hard for, two within 48 hours days. 14 oh, is it 14 days no the earliest, the most basic one you can get is two within 14 days or three yeah. within 90 days. Like, you right, do sure. that, and, and then it goes all the way up to seven marathons in seven days on seven countries. Like which that's is nuts. The, the best, which is <laughs> yeah. insane. But so, so, so I think the situation is it's hard to do that in normal circumstances because it's, you know, finding multiple marathon runs that you can do in the same area and mm. staying healthy. But these days, it's probably a little bit easier to actually qualify as a Melbourne Marathon because you take away a lot of the ambiguity about travel and stuff. It's like, right, if I can do, if I'm physically capable of doing the 42 and then physically capable of doing the 42, I can do it without the logistics of entering races and all that. But Marathon Maniacs have said, no, they need to be proper races. 30 people, race marshal, advertised results. And I I can see when you actually put it that way, it's like it also does 
uh, encourage people to sign up for races, and it does encourage that uh, 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 ec- uh, eco- uh, economical state to keep going. Like, I get that. But I think just for, like, the duration of COVID or something, and I mean not the duration of COVID because God knows who, when it's going to, just for, like, for a limited time, for, like, three months, just open it up. Just, even if it's just temporary, just for like three months, if you want to become a marathon I'd maniac. I'd be open to marathon maniacs saying, hey, if you enter virtual races, like you enter a virtual race, you can't just go out and do a marathon yeah. yourself yeah. and then go out and do another marathon yourself. It has to be a virtual event. We want to see your name yeah. on the virtual leaderboard. We want to see that you've paid money towards, because we want to, because the whole thing about marathon maniacs is it's not just about hey, me as a runner, there's a little bit of that for brag factor, but it's also about they put a series of races that they support and they mm. promote so those race organizers get it. So if they could somehow pay it back and say, listen, we'll recognize virtuals, maybe there's an asterisk next to it, I don't know, but, but you could register as a marathon maniac if you do meet the qualifying criteria, but they've got to be virtual runners. Yeah. It can't just fair. be a run around. It yeah. doesn't work. Yeah. No, and that's fair because like by that nature, there are actually two marathon distance on my ultra training. By that nature, I would be a marathon maniac because they're within. But you're right. Like it should be a like you yeah. have to. I mean, you have to pay your dues somehow. Like, yeah. you know. Yeah. Correct. Wow, know. that's a rabbit hole. I did not expect us to go. No, that was a lot of fun. We haven't done that yeah. in a while. <laughs> no, like I, I, did, I, I had virtual races down in my notes for this, and I'm like, oh, we'll just talk about that as something. And we just spent like eight minutes talking about you know, the, the eligibility criteria for all that stuff. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, is there anything else you wanted to talk about in terms of, hey, you know, training right now and maintaining the interest and in training during uncertainty? Do you think there's anything we missed or? No, I, I think, I think we kind of covered it. You know, just like if you're, if you're training for something that you're not sure is going to go ahead, just make yourself those, those mini goals. Like if you're, if you're training for a long distance race, that's most likely not going to go ahead figure out what kind of goals you can accomplish on your way to that. I would say take the pressure off yourself. If I, if I were to wrap all of this up in one thing, take the pressure off of yourself and don't train for a marathon right now to PB it. I know that that's yeah. a hard thing to say, a hard thing to hear as a runner, but anything over you know a half marathon distance, don't train for it right now to, to get a PB. It's just because you may or may not get to that race and if you do get to that race just accept that the fact that you're able to run it is going to be enough for now yeah i think that's a great point i think we were like we said we were talking about hey would you do two hours back to back crossing over midnight to get that pure long run distance and that would be good like you could do that to get a good long run in to try and pb a marathon event but you know what? You can turn up and finish a marathon if you've done 20 kilometers one day and 20 kilometers the next day. You will be able to finish. You might not be able to PB, but be kind to yourself. Honestly, if I could run a marathon right now, I'd be just be happy that we were running again. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't need to be a PB. Like just getting to be at the feeling of an event would be awesome. You know? Exactly. Like not every race needs to be be a PB. Again, I know that that's I'm going to get struck down by the running race gods, but <laughs> it's like you know, have a little fun. Yeah. Um, speaking of events that we didn't think would go ahead, and they actually did, did what did you catch of the uh, the last couple of days of the Olympics with the I haven't, women's marathon? And the I haven't marathon? seen any of it. Uh, the only thing that I saw was yep. the uh, Elliot Kipchoge just fist bumping dude, 
yeah. like an hour in and that was it. <laughs> okay. Can I, can I, let me tell you about the marathon for the, for the, the Olympics. Cause yes. I know, um, it was just some interesting stuff. So they're in Tokyo, right? That's where the Olympics are, are happening. Is it? And yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it happened in 2020, mate. What are you talking about? Oh, 2020 enough. Tokyo Olympics. <laughs> yeah. Um, but normally they finish the marathon in the stadium. They finish yep. it in the main stadium. Like that's a big thing. Tokyo was so hot that they went, we can't do that. We need to actually move the marathons 500 miles or 800 kilometers north to the city of Sapporo because it's going to be less onerous there in terms of the temperatures and stuff like that. And we saw that in the first week when they were doing some of the, the bike riding events and it was just crazy hot. And, you know, they'd already made the decision that they were going to do the marathon something different. Um, so that's the equivalent of, in Australian terms, that's the equivalent of the Melbourne Olympics going, we're actually going to do the marathon up in Canberra. So I don't know what 500 miles compares to in sort of American language in terms of difference between cities, but uh, it's yeah, about an like, eight to 10 hour drive. Yeah. Your distance that'd yeah. be like New York to Washington, DC. Okay. So yeah, so a fair amount of time. So uh, maybe Virginia the, actually, like Getty, uh, Williamsburg, yeah. Williamsburg. Okay. They're trying to get into a different region, environmental region. Yeah. Um, it didn't work. It was still bloody hot. Right. Uh, we're talking. Oh yeah, it was not great. Uh, we're talking about thirty degrees, ninety percent humidity, uh, at eight o'clock in the morning when they're running the event, and and when you talk about the optimal conditions for a marathon race is normally like eight degrees yeah, Celsius, zero it. humidity. Like remember when Kipchoge was doing his two-hour thing and they were trying to get the exact right conditions and they were like, oh, it's nine degrees. We're a little worried about that. This was thirty degrees. Jesus, um, God in heaven. Yeah. And so the women were on the Saturday and the men were on the Sunday. And the women's was like, I hate to say this, but everyone was watching the women's race going, it's almost like a bit of a test run for what's the men's race going to be like tomorrow. Like, what can we expect for the men's race based on how these women um, participate? Mm. I would say all things being equal, the women actually handled the heat better. Maybe they were a little bit more sensible with going out there. Uh, so it was won by two Kenyans. So it was run by uh, Jep Chicha from Kenya won, and then Bridget Koskai, who won the London Marathon that we spoke about a while ago. She yep. came second. And then Maury Seidel from America in her third ever marathon. Remember, her first ever marathon was to qualify for the US Olympics team. She ran another marathon over the last 12 months or so, just shits and giggles. And then her third ever marathon, she wins a bronze medal. I mean, it's just astonishing. She's one of my favorite people. On That's Earth. crazy. She was just, yeah, <laughs> it's just, she's 25. Yeah. You know, she's this ex, anyway, she's just amazing. But the, the, the women finished the marathon in tw two hours, 27 minutes and 20 seconds. Uh, and it was it, honestly, watch, watching the women, you know, there was a lot of people uh, dropping out and pulling out. But the two Kenyans, they were just in control the whole yeah. time. It was really which one of them was going to do it. And I think a little bit surprising that Koskai didn't win, given she had such good form and she is the world record holder. Mm. But overall, it was a pretty, you know, standard race within extreme conditions where people went a bit slower and possibly didn't handle the heat quite as much as they would like. Um, but what it meant was people were sitting there going, oh, geez, this men's race is going to be interesting. And so the first 15 kilometers was just 
carnage. I don't yeah. know if people were coming in not ready. Um, you know, you're hearing about it as people are dropping out. Oh, they're carrying an injury. They've come into this with an injury or something like that. But we, if you remember um, when we were talking about the London Olympics a couple of months ago, we like Kipritic, Bekele, Katada, like all these big names, all gone in the first 15 kilometers. Yeah. Like they, you know, the first 30 minutes to 45 minutes, they are just dropping out. Um, and so the, the the everyone sort of stretched out. There was this you know group at the front that had uh, Kipchoge in it, and a whole bunch of other people, and they were just dropping. Like the, the commentators were doing that whole thing where you know the camera would flash on someone dropping off the back of the pack, and they'd be like, "Who is that? Oh my goodness, that's Katara!" Like you yeah. know they were astonished. Like every five minutes, they're like another big name dropping off the list. Um, See, that's interesting to so me hot. because yeah. like like in a normal race. We've seen that, of course, because athletes, they're like, you know what? I'm not going to do well in this thing. Forget it. Yeah. I'm just not going to go because it's just a normal race, right? Of course, there's prize money and everything. But you'd think yeah. I would have thought it's the Olympics, man. Like, I don't care if yeah. I'm not doing well. I'm going to finish this thing. So that's interesting. That's what they were saying. They were saying it's really unusual to see that many dropping out. They, they lost like 30% of the race. Wow. Like they had over 100 people at the start line and 70 odd finished. So, and they said that that's really unusual. Like a lot of people who were finishing the race at the end, mm. it was like they're finishing it because they're their only country's entrant. It's a it's a massive thing to be able to turn around and say they could finish it. So you've got to think that these people that dropped out just couldn't go. Yeah. Like they were just, they were out of it. The, the big example is at the 18 kilometer mark, Did you, you saw the guy fist bumping. Yeah. So yeah, Kipchoge is running along. He's talking to uh, Brazil's Daniel Don Nascimento. Um, at the 18-kilometer mark, they have a bit of a laugh, they smile, they do the fist bump. Seven kilometers later, Daniel is out of it. Oh, he man. has uh, he's passed out. He's fallen over and hit his head on the side of the road. Um, they had to like you know get him into a stretcher and, and pull him Jeez. out. He, he went from running with the you know the best in the world to seven kilometers later being taken away on a stretcher. So what you're telling um, me is Elliot Kipchoge had something on his ring and he like inserted. Maybe. Some poison in it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's the fist bump curse or something yeah. like that. Jeez. Um, and it was another it was another one of those ones where like the commentators are so interesting. Like we've spoken about marathon commentators. They've got two hours to fill. They'll talk about anything. Yeah. They'll tend to, they'll tend to compare what like for instance we had that classic thing of the marathon commentator going, oh it's very very hot there. It's almost as hot as the Doha marathon that I competed in. And next thing you know, the commentator in the middle of the Olympic. Uh, race is talking about a run that they did. <laughs> I because would do that's that. What, yeah, <laughs> that's what these commentators do. Um, but they were just like, a, every five minutes, they're like, oh, there goes another one. What's going on here? This is incredible. Yeah. Um, did you see the Frenchman at the water station? No. The controversy about that. Okay. So 28 kilometers in, they're coming up to a water station. And the way it ran this um, course is that there was a big loop at the start. Yeah. And then they did two laps of the second half of the course to finish off the race. So for the second half of the race, they're running the same loop, sure. uh, which meant that the water stations were, there was water stations everywhere. Like you couldn't go more than a K or so without getting to a water station. But they had them all lined up. And this was just a generic water station. This wasn't the one where the athletes are in a specific order for their specific needs and their specific hydration. This was just general water. This Frenchman more had Amdeny comes through and reaches out to get a water bottle at the start of the station and then sweeps his hand down the entire water station, must knock 40 water bottles out of the way 
to eventually grab and leave with the with the last water bottle on the table and so every athlete behind him can't get like the first row of water bottles are gone now there's water bottles all over the ground and everywhere where he's knocked them off the table and they're kind of reaching towards the water bottles at the back or relying on the volunteers who are like what the hell's going on here we had all these water bottles lined up now they're everywhere trying to desperately get like Kipchoge missed a water bottle there and he was not happy about it. No, um, I've never seen him not happy. That's weird. No. Um, and so this Frenchman, very controversial. Some people are like, listen, you're in the middle of a race. You're, you know, you're looking ahead. You're trying to reach out with one hand. It, it's an accident. Other people I, going, no, it's unsportsmanlike. How many bottles um, did he knock over? 40. I'm saying 40. Jeez. Do you know it's what? Got, it feels like 40. That's not, an, not accident. an accident. No. No. That's no. stupid. That's like, like I've if, never if ever. Out, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like, and but, and we we in the Melbourne Marathon, you know, there's those little chintzy little cup, like you blow oh, on them. Oh, crap cups. Yeah. One that the dentist gives you to. Yeah, exactly. You like look yeah, at those yeah, things yeah. and they're going over. I've never knocked like, one of those over. I need nine of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, it, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. It's the equivalent ahead. of going to the supermarket and just going and sweeping everything off a shelf. And I could understand you reach for one. And you miss it and you're like, oh, what's going on? You don't leave your hand out there like you're doing a signal to do a hook turn and just slap <laughs> the rest of them out. It was just incredible. No, that's a that's a that's a that's a message. That is a yeah. What a jerk off. This is one of those things where when when you were explaining to me the whole Spartan thing a couple of episodes ago, I was like, Oh, well, I haven't seen the footage. I probably need to see it myself. This is one where you describe the footage and it's like, nah, that guy's a cheat. Uh, yeah, I, I gotta watch I gotta watch that. Yeah. Yeah, it was like it was it was pretty bad, um, and then just the big thing was, um, it was it was funny because they were running and there was a guy called um, I think he was American called Cup or Krupp or something like that, and he was running close to Kipchoge's heels and Kipchoge at about the thirty kilometer mark, shot him a look, and was like, "What are you doing, mate? You're clipping my heels here." And apparently this guy runs on people's like he runs right behind people. That's his sort of thing. And so um, Kipchoge turned around and went, I'm not pretty happy with you. And then just unleashed. Like the first 30 kilometers of the race is interesting to watch the carnage. Yeah. But like he kept the 30 kilometer water station Kipchoge went into and then he went, I'm going to win this race now. And 500 meters later, it was over. Like 500 meters later, everyone watching the race went, well, he's decided to go now. They just could not go with him. It was such a, you know, you're used to the best of the best being like, you know, oh, there's not that much difference between them. It was just so obvious I gotta watch how it. much better he was. Yeah. But he did a 1440 um, in the 30 to 35 kilometer split. And then he did like another sub 15 for 35 to 40. Like just unbelievable oh. pace. And he looked effortless in a race where people were dropping like flies behind him you know he was obviously he finished in two hours and eight minutes 38 seconds so essentially and he's doing he, sub three minute kilometers the whole way yeah and and we were watching it going you know what he's running fast enough to win like he he, he basically said at the 30 kilometer mark i didn't want there to be any doubt so i did you know i didn't want to wait until the last two kilometers three kilometers and try and do it i wanted to make sure i was comfortable and so you get the feeling that he could have gone like whatever, if if the rest of the field had wanted to do a two oh eight or a two oh seven, you just feel like he was in so control, he could have done it. It was, and it's so funny because you watch these marathons. It's like for the first um, hour and fifteen minutes, you're like, okay, well they're just running. Here we go. There's still 
and then it gets to the last 30 last 10 kilometers and you realize with these guys it's going to be over quickly like the 30 kilometer mark to the 42 kilometer mark goes so quickly so mm. if, if you watch nothing else watch the brazilian guy falling over watch the frenchman sweep in the water station and then find half an hour because that's all you'll need and just watch what Kipchoge did from the 30 minute mark to 30K mark through to the end. That yeah. time is absolutely incredible. When you consider the temperature, yeah. can you imagine if the temperature was like normal, what his time would have been? Oh, exactly. What if, so when he did the sub two hours, it was like perfect conditions, seven degrees or something like that. Um, and it's like, it's so, it just puts the two hours in such, like he went, you know, eight minutes faster nine minutes faster than that to go sub two hours and that's three kilometers in this language that's you know yeah. when he was running the world record he was <clears throat> three kilometers ahead of him when he's when he's won the gold medal uh and he won the gold medal compared to the rest of the field just so easily um yeah it, it was actually really interesting the there was three people racing for silver and bronze and the sil and, and what happened is the person who ended up winning silver and apologies, I forget their names. He looked at the three of them and he went, I can win silver. I, you know, I've got enough in the tanks that, you know, with 500 meters to go, I'm going to move past these two and I'm going to, you know, be able to hold them off to win silver. Mm. So what he did was he turned around and one of, even though they were from different countries, they were um, training partners, they knew each other. And so he started encouraging one of the other runners to come up behind him to get the bronze medal so that the two of them could finish silver and bronze. That's cool. So he went, He went. oh, I'm not going to try and finish. My, what's the point of finishing my rate five seconds earlier? Um, I know I'm going to get silver. I'm going to try and get my mate across the line uh, to finish, you know, bronze with me as well. Um, so, yeah, there was a couple. It, it was a really interesting race. Like I've, I've now probably watched Kipchoge run, you know, four or five marathons. I've watched both of his sub two attempts. I watched him in London. I've now watched this. I've spent eight hours of my life watching this man run. And it is just beautiful to watch. Mm. Like I could, I could sit there and just have that running on a loop. Yeah. Uh, you know, just all the time. Because it's just, he looks like it's, it's just, it is, you know, to see a master at work and, you know, trying to explain that this is like the best of the best. This is Michael Jordan. This is Tiger Woods. This is Muhammad Ali. This is, you know, think of the best of the best. And we're seeing that now in our sport with him yeah. it's uh it's, it's brilliant yeah so definitely yeah if you're you yourself go check it out yeah i definitely watch it i was actually just searching yeah. on foxtel to see if it would be replaying again it's not so i'll have to youtube it oh, but i'll find yeah. it or, or, or seven or something it's so it feels like it's so hard to find the olympics the olympics are weird they're like everyone loves them and they're like no you can't watch them ever well again. yeah i mean i started watching them but then everything that was on i didn't care about i was like i don't care about yeah badminton it wasn't badminton i don't know what it was but it was just like i don't oh, want to wow. watch now this. we're gonna get the badminton crowd after us yeah, yeah i don't know that they were with us in the first place so it's fine yeah okay yeah. not a lot of badminton long distance running crossover you wouldn't think no i don't no. think so i don't think so yeah oh, well. fair enough but anyway olympics um they pulled it off right on you know let's, for them. let's see where they are three months from now but Indeed. yeah for now they pulled it off yeah hmm. banging well uh do we have anything else we want to talk about uh, just want to talk about our sponsors, uh, Generation point. UCAN, Don't want to forget uh, them. the patented super starch technology that helps you go better on those long runs. Uh, how are you going with them? Are they still your fuel of choice for your Actually, long runs? To be honest, uh, I haven't used I haven't used any. So basically, my twenty nine 
Uh, all my long runs, I've been doing fasted, no fuel. Um, oh, okay. So I did 29 kilometers last week, fasted, no fuel. I'll do tomorrow. I'm going to try to do the same. Just because I'm, I'm trying to see what... Um, I know this is a terrible ad read, but... <laughs> <laughs> Generation you can, where we don't use their products. That's right. Uh, I'm just trying to push my body to see what I can do. So, uh, because it's very interesting to me. If nothing, it's I'm not trying to accomplish anything. It's just very interesting to me that two years ago, three years ago, I couldn't run 12 kilometers without bonking, even with food in my stomach. Now I'm running 28, 29, 30 kilometers fasted, no fuel, not even water, which isn't great don't do it if you don't need to i'm just seeing what i can you know i started this podcast to see what i could push myself with right this is just part of that and it's just really interesting to me how the body adapts because coming from a place where 12 mile, uh, 12 mile, 12 kilometers i hit a wall hard at maybe eight um and now going 28 29 30 and just kind of not hitting a wall at all I, yeah. It's just it's amazing. But uh, for those of you who don't like to do t t crazy stuff yeah, like that. You only do that because you know that the Generation You Can product works and it will always be there for you to go back to. Exactly. It's always there. And you know what? It's because I've used it that maybe my body's so efficient now. Uh, Dean, long time, again, friend of the podcast, just used. So he was having a bit of a lackluster a um, couple days with his workouts and he actually had one of his Generation You Can snack bars before one of his workouts and he said to me that it was the most energy he had had in that couple days. So oh, wow. coincidence? I don't think so. So if yep. you want to get in on that action, go to generationyoucan.com.au and use the coupon code BREAKINGTHEBARRIER for 15% off your first order so that you can experience what it's like to go above and beyond what you ever thought possible with the patented super starch that uses your body's fat stores as fuel. Generation You Can, the product we recommend but don't use. Right. <laughs> <laughs> It's such a bad, bad ad read. Yeah. It's like this is this is right. this is going yeah, nowhere exactly. fast. <laughs> and given we just spent an entire episode talking about how nothing will go ahead, do you want to tell everyone about the discount code for Spartan races? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. This is going to go well. Uh, so yes, if yeah. you are feeling brave enough to come back with your shield or on it, you can visit the Spartan Race AU website and use the coupon code Superman. Spartan Race, of course, being the race that challenges a million people to get off their couches and onto the obstacle course race, race course to see what they are made of. At the moment, all races are going ahead. If you're racing in Australia, be sure to check the dates as some of the events have been postponed. But Spartan Race will challenge you like you've never been challenged before. So Spartan Race AU website, use the coupon code SUPERMAN for 15% off of your race. If you have more than five people racing and you want to get a further discount, let me know. I'll get the administration fee waived for you as well. Yeah, and Spartan's a big organization. Even if you enter a Spartan race and it gets postponed, they're not going anywhere. So, no. you know, there's uncertainty with some of those smaller mobs, not this Spartan crew, Spartan yeah. crew, they're, they're big league. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Matter of fact, mm -hmm. Spartan has basically, uh, in the past 12 months, rescinded some of their pro contracts for some of their athletes so well so that they could keep the event going as best as possible uh they gave the spartan pro athletes the uh choice to whether or not they wanted to continue being a spartan pro without their contracts 
Some of them said yes, some of them said no, but they did that for all of us regular guys and gals so that we could continue to enjoy the race while while we can. Yeah, excellent. And, and you know, the, the races will, some of the races will still be there. And so, you know, maybe it's not about that early bird fee. Maybe it's about signing up when you can and taking the opportunity and, you know, use that discount code. It might not be a discount off the early bird fee, but it's going to, going to be a discount that helps. A buck's a buck. Exactly right. Well, that went everywhere that was interesting that was I think nice. there were some lessons in there for once yeah you know, I, I think so train through uncertainty. yeah look at us so, doing uh, the listeners, thing we can do this uh listeners let us know what you think uh write us a review on your podcast platform of choice remember to subscribe share with your friends um you know if there's someone interested in getting into running uh you know maybe send them this podcast or one of our previous episodes and, and let them check it out and all as always if there's something you'd like to hear us talk about um drop us a note and we'd love to get on it Absolutely. Look, everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Breaking the Barrier podcast, where Zach and I hope to inspire you to go above and beyond what you ever thought possible. We will catch you next time.